Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of bean modification. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today, our topic is tofu. Very, I like tofu. Yeah, it's good stuff. Very important food in Japan and the rest of Asia. So if you're not familiar with tofu, or maybe you've even had tofu and you're not totally sure what exactly it is, basically, it is bean curd that has been pressed into blocks. And we're going to go into more detail on how it's made, but there's your definition. And the English word tofu comes from Japanese. Japanese, it would be pronounced more like tofu. But that Japanese word was actually borrowed from Chinese. And tofu has been eaten in China for over 2,000 years. Paul, what would you say tofu tastes like? It's a very mild flavor. Yeah. Um, but just like a little bit slightly beany. Sure. Yeah, it is pretty mild, and that makes it super versatile. It can be used in savory dishes or sweet dishes. You can do almost anything to tofu. Yeah, it really absorbs flavors well. Yeah, especially like there, there are ways that it can be processed that makes it soak up even more flavor, and we'll talk about that. I had tofu with my lunch today. Nice. I had what? a poke bowl. I think that's how you say it. I thought it was poke. I, I did too, but everyone else was saying poke, so I went really? with it. Did you go to a, a restaurant? We door dashed it, ordered it, and it was my first time ever having it, and I liked it. Cool. Just, it wasn't quite what I expected, but I didn't really know what to expect. Was it like rice and veggies and tofu all mixed together or something? Yeah, and there was like a lot of seaweed on it, and there was guacamole, or maybe it was just smashed avocado, and there was like pickled ginger. It reminded me a lot of sushi. But a little bit different too. But it might, it might have some vinegar in it. Anyways. Sounds good. It was good. It was good. So let's talk history. Yeah, you already mentioned it's uh, tofu's been eaten in China for over 2,000 years. Yeah. Tofu was first recorded during the Chinese Han Dynasty around 2,000 years ago. When did it come to Japan, Paul? Tofu arrived in Japan during the Nara period. Between 710-794. Uh, of course, it was brought over by Zen Buddhist monks. Yep. Those guys brought a lot of stuff over. Yeah. Tofu kind of spread throughout Southeast Asia via the spread of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And tofu is an important source of protein in the Eastern Buddhist diet because it's a vegetarian diet. Yeah, very much so. Uh, in Japan, the earliest document that mentioned tofu talked about it being served as an offering at Kasuga Taisha, a shrine in Nara, where yep. I have been. And this reference was from 1183, pretty long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it was already like a common enough food or a known enough food to be being used in a religious ceremony at that time. Yeah. As we've talked about before, a lot of things, when they first come to Japan, they were used in religious ceremonies. But it looks like tofu didn't become super popular with the masses until around the 15th century. Yeah. And I think it was kind of the same in China, too. Like, it's been around for a long time, but it wasn't a popular food amongst, you know, the regular people until much later. Okay. And then in the Edo period, in the 1700s, there was a book called Tofu Hyakuchin, which was published and listed 100 recipes for cooking tofu. I think I saw there's a sequel to that too, or a follow-up. So people were into making all sorts of stuff with tofu. 
So let's talk about how tofu is made. Because before I researched this, I wasn't really 100% sure. And I think I'd eaten tofu for years before I even really had any idea how it's put together. Kind of a long process. Like there's a lot of processing that goes into it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I had some vague idea of how tofu was made. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get some soybeans and you, you mash them up and do some stuff and then you got tofu, right? Yep. Well, what's the first thing you got to do well, to make tofu? Well, like you said, you need those soybeans. It's all about the soybeans. And soybeans are legumes that grow in pods like all beans do, I believe. They're all in pods, right? I don't know. I've never seen like how a black bean grows, you know, or something. I'm pretty sure they're all in different sorts of pods. Okay. Um, So you've, you've probably seen these pods, actually. If you've ever had edamame, those are immature soybeans that are served still in the pod, and they are green. But the soybeans that are harvested for making tofu are harvested later on, and they're all dried up. So at that point, the soybeans are more of a light yellow brown kind of color. Yeah. And the first thing you got to do with those soybeans is turn them into soy milk. Paul, how does that work? Now you're going to clean your soybeans, and then you're going to soak them in water, and then you're going to grind them up and boil that whole mixture. And then at the end, you filter it, and you've got soy milk. Yeah, pretty simple. Got this smooth liquid that's got all those nutrients and stuff from the soybeans. To turn that soy milk into tofu, it needs to be curdled because, of course, tofu is bean curd. So the, the coagulation part of this whole process is the most important step in determining what your final product is going to look and feel and taste like. And it depends on a lot of different factors. So your end result will depend on the type of soybeans you're using, the percentage of protein in the beans, the temperature that that mixture Paul was talking about is cooked at, the temperature that is coagulated at, and more. Like there are so many different things that different companies are going to do slightly differently. And if you try making tofu at home, it might not come out just like tofu out of the package because you haven't, you might not be able to control all these factors as well. But in any case, the soy milk can be coagulated using various types of salts, acids, or enzymes. In Japan, they often use a powder called nigari which is produced from seawater and consists mostly of magnesium chloride. That's what's actually coagulating the soy milk. Another common one is calcium sulfate, also known as gypsum. And, you know, the type of coagulant you use is going to affect the texture a lot and sometimes also the flavor of your end result. Yeah. I heard one of the reasons that calcium sulfate is popular coagulant in tofu is because it leaves very little taste. Yeah. The whole process is similar to making cheese. Yeah, yeah, super similar. If you just use animal milk instead of soy milk, you got cheese, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we have these curds now, but we haven't quite gotten to the point where, like, what you're going to see in the package. What do you do with those curds? You need to press them. Yeah. Most types of tofu are pressed. They squeeze a lot of the moisture out. There are also unpressed types, though, that we're going to mention in our next section. But yeah, if you're looking at a block of tofu and some water, like you often buy those trays at the grocery store, maybe that stuff is pressed to make those curds all stick together, and you got this nice little rectangular block. Yep. So tofu is white 
but like the shade of its whiteness or the tint of its whiteness, I don't know what to call it. The hue. The hue, yeah, that's a good word, is also determined by the variety of soybean you're using and by the protein composition within those soybeans. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, there could be differences in color too, sometimes even tinted a little yellowish. Mm-hmm. And the flavor of tofu is bland, but you know, we said there's that little bit of like nuttiness or beaniness to it. Mm -hmm. From what I read, that flavor is more liked in Japan. So the tofu you buy in America is like purposely as plain as possible. And they do that by doing a hot grind of the soybeans. So when you're making the soy milk, you grind the beans while it's really hot, and that gets you more of a bland flavor. And then if you do the reverse and you grind the beans while they're cold, you get a more nutty flavor. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I feel like I want to try the nutty stuff, you know? Just got to buy more Japanese tofu. Yeah, I've seen tofu at the grocery store that advertises that it's made in like the traditional Japanese way, so. Yeah, I got to find something with like uh, kanji on it. Yeah. And I'll be like, all right, this is legit. So let's talk about all the different varieties of tofu. There are so many. (laughs) Where should we start? I was thinking we'd start with the softer stuff, work our way up to the firm. I like that plan. Okay. So I guess the softest you can get is extra soft tofu, right? Yeah. And this stuff seems to be more common in Korea than in Japan, from what I saw. I don't think I've ever actually seen it in Japan, personally. Yeah, it looked kind of weird. Yeah, this stuff has lots of water, and it's not pressed. So the curds are really loose and soft. Like, you're not even going to be able to pick this up. It's kind of soupy, it seems like. you got to just scoop out the stuff. It's like the little tofu curds are floating around in like a gelled soy milk mixture. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The next one is soft tofu, also known as silken tofu, or in Japanese, it would be referred to as kinugoshi. And this stuff is coagulated in a way that turns it into a type of gel. It has a super smooth texture. And the gel, it's not drained or pressed. It's usually coagulated like in the final packaging that it's going to be sold in. So like the way I buy this stuff, it comes in just a little cardboard box and you cut open the cardboard and it's just this block of gel in there. Slides right out. Yeah, exactly. So it it still has a high moisture content, but it holds together a lot more than the extra soft stuff. Like you can actually pick this up in your hand and you just got this block, but it's still pretty delicate. Like you could easily break it apart accidentally. Yeah. It's the type, if you've ever had miso soup with tofu in it, it's the silken tofu they use for that. Usually, yeah. Usually, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of different types of tofu that can be used in miso, but yeah, this would probably be the most common one. And, you know, before researching this, I was a little confused about exactly what silken tofu meant. The terminology gets a little confusing. Because I saw, like, at the grocery store, you see the soft tofu, you see the firm tofu, but then you see soft silken tofu and firm silken tofu. It's like, how, what, what does this mean, you know? I thought silken was the same as soft, so how can there be a soft one that's not silken, right? But silken tofu, by definition, is not pressed. Right. Okay. So within this non-pressed soft tofu, you can kind of think as 
soft and firm as subcategories of that. Like you can get silken tofu that's firmer or softer, but it's still silken tofu because it's not pressed. It's soft or firm for silken tofu. Right. Like not compared to other tofu. Right, right. So all types of silken tofu are still going to be more delicate than the regular firm tofu because that's pressed together to get the moisture out. Yes. Okay. So silken tofu is used in all sorts of stuff in Japan, in sweet or savory dishes. So one popular one in the summer is called hiyayako, which is tofu with grated ginger, dried fish flakes, and green onions on top. And then you sprinkle some soy sauce over that. Super delicious, super refreshing. When I'm feeling super lazy, I'll just make some rice and basically throw that on top of the rice and you got like a really simple meal. Yeah, I know you're a fan of that one. Mm-hmm. What do people like in winter, Paul? Uh, Yudofu is good in winter. What's that? Tofu pieces boiled in a clear, mild soup and then you dip it in soy sauce. Sounds good. It's a Kyoto specialty. Nice. I've uh, seen... People use silken tofu in smoothies. Yeah, you can make kind of like, you can blend it into pudding-like stuff or yeah, in, in a smoothie or And it's kind of it's kind of good. I kind of like it. Yeah. I haven't tried that at home yet, but I've like bought smoothies with tofu in it. Mm. Be a good way to add some protein to your smoothie if you don't want to put in like whey protein or something. Right, right. And silken tofu is used as a dessert a lot of the time too. You can just pour some syrup over it, maybe some kinako which is a roasted soybean flour. Add a little more soybean to your soybean. Yeah. It's a little uh, maple syrup. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on to firm tofu. So this stuff is pressed to remove moisture, which makes it firmer. And in Japan, this would be referred to as momen tofu. Paul, do you know what momen means? No. It means cotton. This is cotton tofu. Can you guess why? Uh, it looks like cotton if you crumble it up. So the way they press the tofu is with cotton muslin cloth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you like, if you've opened a package of tofu and you see all these lines or kind of like a grid sort of pattern on the surface of the tofu, that's from that cotton from the cloth that it gets pressed with. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So they press a lot of moisture out of it. But it's still very moist. Yeah. And I mean, when you buy it, it'll be like in a tray of water. Yeah. A lot of people, when they cook with tofu, they will like press it more in their kitchen for like another 30 minutes, put it under something heavy with some cloth. Yeah. And like squeeze a little bit more of that water out of it. Yeah. Especially if you're going to use it in like stir fry or something, you want to get as much moisture out as you can so your stir fry doesn't get all watery. Yeah. If you want it to hold up a little better and... Mm -hmm. So this pressed firm tofu is going to have around the firmness of raw meat. I saw it as a comparison. Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned, this type would be used more in stir fry or cooking. Anytime when you need the tofu to really hold together a little more. Yeah, you can easily pick it up with chopsticks, Mm -hmm. especially after it's been cooked. Yeah. And in Japan, this type can be sliced thin and then fried, which turns it into something called aburage, which is used in a few different things. We've mentioned Inari Zushi in several episodes before. Aburage is what would be used for that. So you, you end up with this like pocket sort of thing. Like it's hollow in the middle. You can, you can peel it apart and stuff things in there. So Inari Zushi is basically that fried tofu packed with rice. Very good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that same type of tofu is used in kitsune udon, which we've mentioned before too. You just got this little slice of fried tofu on top of your udon. Sometimes you see this in miso soup too. If you cut up the fried tofu into thin slices, throw them in your soup. Good stuff. There's a similar thing called namaage or atsuage. So this is also fried tofu, but it's not sliced as thinly as the aburage. So with the aburage, there's like no white tofu left in the middle. It's all just fried and uh, bubbly. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like you got that skin, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the atsuage, they use thicker slices, like they're chunks, and then they fry those. So the outside is like bubbly and fried, but on the inside, you still got white tofu. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's firmer than firm tofu? Uh, extra firm tofu? Okay. That's going to have even more moisture pressed out of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To the point where it almost looks rubbery to me from what I saw, when people say that it has the firmness of cooked meat. Mm. And from what I've seen in America, this stuff is used a lot by vegetarians or vegans like Paul here, like as a substitute for meat, because you can kind of get a texture closer to meat. Yeah, I usually buy extra firm tofu, but uh, you said that you saw some extra firm tofu that looked so firm, like they almost had a saw through it. The stuff I buy is not like that. So every manufacturer, I think, like we said earlier, is going to label their tofu differently. Yeah, it, it can be a little confusing. You got to be careful about what you're buying because, I mean, you could even find extra firm silken tofu, you know, going back to the silken thing. Like that's unpressed, but it's coagulated in a way that makes it firmer. So they're going to call it extra firm, but it's still within that category of silken tofu. So for the pressed tofu that we've been talking about, you know, the firm and extra firm, you might see pressed tofu that's labeled as soft because it's still softer than firm, but it's also pressed. Yeah. And it's going to be soft pressed tofu is going to be firmer than extra firm silken or unpressed tofu. Yeah. Or at least the texture will be different. So hopefully we've confused everyone now. (laughs) That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. let, Let me try to simplify. For anybody that got confused. So you got the silken tofu that is always unpressed. And within that category, you got the range from soft to extra firm. Then you have pressed tofu, which in general is going to be more dense and less delicate than the silken tofu. And within that category, you also have anything from soft to extra firm. Does that sum it up, you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But we're not done yet, right? Nope. There are all sorts of additional types of tofu because people have come up with all sorts of ways to further process this stuff. So there's freeze-dried tofu, which is made by freezing and thawing tofu again and again until all the moisture is gone. It's popular in Japanese Buddhist cuisine. Yep, called shojin yori. I read that it's typically simmered in dashi or sake. Or sometimes mirin and soy sauce. Yeah, because you want to reconstitute that stuff, and it basically turns into a sponge. It can soak up a bunch of flavor, and you can use it in all sorts of soups and stuff, or with sauces. And Paul, in Japan, did you know that freeze-dried tofu is called koya tofu? No. Does, does koya ring a bell at all? 
Is that uh, like the temple region or some group of temples or something? On my last trip, I went to Koyasan, a little temple town on top of a mountain. That's where this type of tofu originated. Oh, okay. That makes they sense. Were, you know, a lot of Buddhist temples. They were using it in Buddhist cuisine. Yeah. Pretty cool. How else can you process tofu? You can pickle it. Okay. They take the tofu and they fully air dry it under hay, apparently, and then they slowly ferment it, and it becomes pickled tofu. Okay. Paul, have you ever heard of something called yuba? Yuba? Yuba. What's that? It's also known as tofu skin. Oh, tofu skin. Yeah. So this is actually not technically tofu, because it's not made with coagulant, but I thought it was similar enough to mention. So this is basically the film that forms on top of a big vat of soy milk. Like if you've ever eaten pudding and you know there's that skin that forms over the top, it's that, but from soy milk. Are you a person that loved the skin or hated the skin? I don't like pudding skin, but I can dig Yuba. Okay. Yuba's good. Okay. So that skin, it can be shaped into all sorts of different shapes and then they dry it. And that's how it's usually sold. You can get fresh Yuba too, but usually dried. I bought it in sheets and they're very delicate. If you buy a package of sheets of this stuff, you'll find a bunch of crumbs in there where it's broken apart. So a lot of time it's shaped into sticks or rings to prevent it from breaking. Hmm, Like you can make it stronger when it dries in these different shapes. I've heard some people use it to imitate meat. Because it's got a little bit of that rubbery texture. Yeah. I think I saw that it was used in like a vegan Philly cheesesteak. Oh, that sounds kind of good. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's good. Not as good as a real Philly cheesesteak. You steak. say that about everything. <laughs> it's because it's true. Not true. Anyway, uh, let's see. So Yuba is especially found in Kyoto. Because it, this is another type that's popular in the Buddhist cuisine. And Kyoto has a ton of temples. Makes sense. Hmm. If we're talking about byproducts of tofu that aren't exactly tofu, Mm -hmm. there's something called soy pulp, which is everything that's left over once you've extracted soybeans from the soy milk. That was going to be my guess. So you got all the like... It's uh, fiber, protein, and starch that's left over. Okay. It's called okara in Japan, and it's used as animal feed. Okay. I saw that soybeans, like soy meal, is used in America to feed a lot of livestock, too. Yep, yep. It's growing soy to feed the cows. You got any other wild types of tofu for us? Well, I have another one that's not technically tofu. And what's that? Goma tofu. You know what goma is? No. Goma is sesame seeds. Oh, sesame tofu? Yeah. So there's no, no soybeans in this at all. It's just made from sesame seeds. And this is another thing that is a, you know, Buddhist monk cuisine. And this stuff can be very labor intensive to make because you got to grind those sesame seeds into a super fine powder. So they would make novice monks do this as like a character building exercise. Oh, jeez. I know it sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes I grind up like a couple tablespoons of sesame seeds just for when I'm cooking or whatever. And that's hard enough. I can't imagine having to grind stuff till it's like, super fine powder would take forever my roommate got a mortar once for like spices and i was like yeah this is cool it was awful it took forever to grind 
anything and I could never get it fine enough. Yeah. This Goma tofu sounds pretty good though. You end up with something that has the texture of tofu, but it tastes like sesame seeds, you know? That's cool. Sounds good. Yeah. And actually, there are a bunch of other things that get called tofu that are not technically tofu. And it seems like they're all just called that because they have a similar texture and appearance. Okay. You can make tofu-like stuff out of almonds or chickpeas or egg tofu even they have. In Okinawa, they make peanut tofu. Okay. I think that sounds pretty good. So like other coagulated things that come out like tofu. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's cool. Out of almonds and peanuts, huh? Interesting. Yeah. I want to try some peanut, like some coagulated peanut. (laughs) (laughs) When you say it that way, it doesn't sound as good, but yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like same with cheese. Like you want some curdled milk? It doesn't sound as good as like you want some aged cheese, (laughs) you know? Better squeeze those curds together and make it into a block. I'll eat I'll eat that all day. Anyway, so maybe this is the best place to mention this part. I wanted to talk about how you store tofu. It's like we said, tofu, well, the pressed stuff is going to be sold in water, right? Yep. So once you open a package of tofu, how do you keep it fresh? You need to put it back in water and change the water once every day. Yeah. And it'll definitely last a few days for you at least. Yeah. And you can, I mean, you can see pretty quickly that water will get cloudy because there's so many nutrients in the tofu that uh, bacteria likes all that stuff. Yeah. When you dump out the water every day, like it's definitely tinted, tinted a darker shade than when you put it in there. Yeah. So tofu is high in protein and low in fat. So it can be good for some people's diets depending on what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And low calorie. Yep. It should also be noted that firm tofu has about twice the protein content of silken tofu. So is that measured by weight, do you think? Yeah. There's uh, less water, which leaves more soybean curdle, yeah, I like suppose, which means more protein. Yeah, it's more concentrated, kind of. Some tofu is a good source of calcium, depending on which coagulant is used. Mm -hmm. Magnesium too. And uh, usually some iron in there as well. And uh, no tofu for people that have legume allergies because it comes from soybeans and soybeans are legumes. They are. So if you want to try tofu, maybe you've never had tofu and you're super curious now, probably can find it at your grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Most grocery stores will at least have like soft and firm pressed tofu. Usually some sort of silken, at least in addition to that. If you're looking to get that fried tofu, the aburage or the yuba, the tofu skin, you might need to go to an Asian market for those. Much more common in Asian cuisine. Yeah. Or if you're feeling really ambitious, you can actually make your own tofu. And you could either start with soy milk, like you can just buy a jug of soy milk and turn it into tofu. Or if you're super, super ambitious, you could start from scratch, just get some soybeans. A lot of people are making their own plant milks these days. Really? It's uh, becoming a more popular thing. It's not that hard to do. What other kinds of plant milks are you talking about? Like almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, oat milk. People make it all. Hmm. You can use the same equipment, I think. You just need like a cloth to strain it. Okay. And that's like all you need. 
Let's just start making a ton of milk, Paul. Okay. Get that equipment. We can turn anything into milk. I'll go get some soybeans. All right. Yeah, if, if you want to know how that process goes, there are a bunch of YouTube videos that'll show you how to make your own tofu. But really, if you want to try the many different varieties of traditional Japanese cuisine, you should go to Japan. Yep. You can go to Koyasan, get that Koya tofu, or pretty much any like decent ryokan, a traditional Japanese hotel that you stay at. If they serve dinner and breakfast, there'll probably be a lot of different types of tofu in there. I'd be impressed if someone went to Japan and didn't eat any tofu. If you somehow avoided eating tofu. Yeah, yeah. Any traditional meal that you have, basically, any kaiseki or anything like that, there's going to be tofu. Yeah, especially with those, you're getting all the little side dishes. There's so many little things. One of them's going to have tofu in it. Yeah. And it's crazy to me, like the Buddhist cuisine we've been talking about, they figured out so many different ways to process the tofu so that really you're you're eating a lot of the same thing, but there's so much variety in the texture and the flavor of it that it seems like all these different things. There were a lot of monks with a lot of time on their hands. And I thank them for developing delicious food. They did something worthwhile with their lives that has a positive influence even on us today. Totally. Thank you, chefs of the world. Yeah. Thanks, chefs. I like food. Food's good. That's all I got today. That's all I got too. Guess that's it. If you want to learn more about all sorts of stuff, check out our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. If you want to see some cool pictures, check out Instagram. SJP Podcast. If you want to send us an email, send it to feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. What's up next time, Paul? Something that you may have heard before. Bonsai. I've heard of that. Little trees. Yeah. There's a lot to them. Yeah, they're super cool. I'm excited to dive into that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of good history and all sorts of stuff there. Oh, show. All right. Well, that should be fun. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.